Welcome to the Dynasty Junkies Podcast with your hosts, Rocky Petrella and Dustin Church. Let's get to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of the Dynasty Junkies Podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict. And back this week from vacation is Dustin Church at Dynasty Junkie FF. Dustin, how was the vacation? It, it was good to just sit back and connect with the family. Uh, the kids were a little bummed we didn't get to go go to Hawaii like planned, but we still made it. We still made it fun. We we relaxed. We kind of hung out as a group. It was it was fun fun to just sit back before all the the storm of my work that's that's kind of going on right now. It sounds like you guys had a great show without me. You know, you had Scott Connor on, great guest. Yes, you guys had fun. Very smart guy. That was a, that was a good show, and, and Russ is always fun to have on too. So, um, but we have a, another guest this week, um, which is Ben Eby of the Re, uh, Revived Dynasty Playbook Podcast. Ben, thanks for coming on. Man, super happy to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, I guess before we get into the, the, the rest of the show, I just wanted to ask you guys, uh, how, how's your Scott Fish? All three of us are in Scott Fishbowl. How's your Scott Fishbowl drafts going so far? I'm super pumped with how mine's going. Uh, I, I started, this is my first ever Scott Fishbowl. Nice. So I, I definitely uh, went out there. I knew, I knew I wanted to be a little different than the crowd as best as I could. Uh, I thought that would come later in the draft, but uh, opportunity presented itself early on. I was picking out of the 11th spot and uh, Travis Kelsey fell to me at that spot, which I, I saw him go a lot earlier, a few picks earlier in, in most drafts. And uh, so I was able to get him there and coming right back up at the uh, second pick of the second round, I was able to pick up George Kittle as well. So starting off tight end, tight end was uh, I believe it was 0.9% of the 1,440 teams started <laughs> that way. Uh, but I was the only team from what I've heard so far uh, that started off with Kelsey and Kittle because usually one or both are gone by that 11th draft pick spot. So um, it was uh, they spoke about it a little bit on the XM radio. So that was kind of cool. I had some people hit me up on that. Nice. Um, and, you know, I, you, when you start tight end, tight end in that format, you definitely uh, have to find a way to come back and, and rebuild in some of those quarterback and running back positions. Right. And try to play catch up there. So I uh, just like how it's been falling so far ever since then. You're always uh, seeing some value drop, so I feel good. High ceiling team, and you know, a lot of luck uh, going to be needed, but I feel great about it so far. Yeah, there's a nice premium there, so I I, I can't believe you actually got both of them. That's a nice start, Dustin. What about That's your crazy. team? Yeah, I remember uh, Ben and I kind of going back and forth. I was I was we were DMing back and forth when he was making that pick, and I was I can't blame him for doing it. So I was listening to Scott Fish on the open bar last night and he he had the first pick so he took cmc but he did go tight end second and third so he you know he uh, agrees also with going a tight end um yeah i've heard in my 104 chat he's hitting the tight ends hard somebody in his uh, i think he's in the lego division somebody was mentioning he's got like five or six of them wherever point they are in the draft so he's big on that premium too yeah yes he, he uh, actually mentioned he saw my roster and said uh on the open bar and said it was a power move to go Kelsey Kittle early on. So that always feels good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Scott Fish. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, I feel like my team, I think it's really balanced. I went pretty, pretty heavy um, with uh, running backs at the beginning. I didn't take my first wide receiver until I think the seventh round. So right now I'm sitting, I have um, 
I took Breeze in the first at 111. Um, ben and I were both in the 11 spot. And then I took Joe Mixon um, in the second spot. And then I've just kind of stocked up from there. I have Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, Anthony McFarland. Um, I have some some upside receivers. I got Tyler Boyd, Devontae Parker. I have Emmanuel Sanders, Anthony Miller, Larry Fitzgerald, Corey Davis. And then I have Hunter Henry and Ian Thomas at tight end. I'm not as strong at tight end as I would have liked, but I did get Hunter Henry in the 10th round. So I think getting him that late um, was a steal for me. Fant went like three picks before me, which like, I was, man, if I could get Fant in the 10th round, I was going to be pretty pumped about it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I feel like I'm pretty balanced. I have, you know, I have the, the Teddy Ian Thomas stack. I think Ian Thomas will kind of be his security blanket outside of CMC. So I'm hoping, I, at least that's what I'm hoping for, is having him at my back backup. But I'm going to just basically take any flyer as a tight end going forward. Just Greg Olson's still out there and Russ, Russell Wilson likes to throw to the tight end. So you know, I think I can get him here soon and just, just any upside tight ends that are left, I'm just going to take for my last couple of picks. Yeah, you, I, I need to do that too with upside tight ends. I actually, my fr- I'm at the 104, which I requested because I had a top four that I definitely wanted and then I get the earlier second round pick. Um, I took Lamar, which is usually against what I do in terms of going quarterbacks. Uh, I usually like to wait on quarterbacks, but I thought him, Mahomes, CMC and Barkley were the definite top four. So he was the one that was left to me. And I did take Andrews in a second, but I haven't taken a tight end since. But I do like having the stack, which can help for, you know, those boom weeks that might help in the playoffs. And uh, I basically kind of, same with you, I sort of went with a more balanced approach. I think balance works here um, because he does fairly balanced scoring. So I th- basically my plan was to kind of go somewhat balanced, but little light on wide receiver since wide receiver is kind of the, the the least valuable spot, other than the fact that there's three of them. So yeah, I got I got I, I got six running backs. I got I only have three uh, wide receivers. I did draft DJ Moore early because DJ Moore is my man's, but um, I got I did get him at four oh nine, so it wasn't too early. And I think I didn't take another one until the eighth or ninth. That was uh, Devontae Parker. And I got a, uh, I got uh, Eckler in the third, Gordon in the fifth, and then I started hitting some other guys. Cam Akers. I think I got in the seventh, and I got three more guys there too. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, because I'm, you know I'm so anti Rojo, that makes me pro Keyshawn Vaughn, and and then I also got Zach Moss and Tev Coleman, who who uh, we'll get into the San Francisco backfield probably a little later in the show here. But I'm pretty happy with my team. Uh, I think we're in the uh, 12th or so now. So uh, I, I think you guys, uh, definitely Dustin, I think you're a little ahead of me. But we'll see how it goes from here. I do need to start hitting tight end a little bit and maybe pick up a third quarterback. But um, let's get into our fantasy face-off now, which we start with every week. And this was inspired by a, a friend of the show, Bobby Koch, um, who he actually did write an article about this uh, this tandem earlier in the off season and he is the the, the fantasy faceoff is drew lock versus gardner Minshew. he's a Minshew supporter he's a lock hater um but the uh the twitter results were definitely the opposite way it's it's interesting it's by far our largest um response to one of these twitter polls to over 2500 votes and it's also i think by far the biggest disparity between the two guys and any of these we've done uh, Locke got 67% uh, to 33% for Minshew, so two to one. And uh, the, But their ADP is closer than that, which is why we wanted to throw it out there. Locke is at 70 in June ADP, and Minshew's at 79. So, uh, Ben, as the guest, what do you think of these two guys, and which do you prefer? 
Well, first off, super flex wise, I, I like both of these guys. They're they're both got you know young quarterbacks with upside uh, that I'm definitely going to go after. Um, but one really stands out for me, and, and right out of the gates, the first thing I look at is what type of trade value is someone going to have if I pick them up already have them and, and their um, their value is appreciating at the time. And if you put that out there, I mean, obviously the poll speaks for itself. Drew Locke is that sexy quarterback name that that up and coming, uh, you know, next breakout star uh, potentially. Uh, he is just absolutely loaded with weapons this year, and they just uh, added Pat Shermer to the team. So uh, I think Pat Shermer's background, you know, working with Andy Reid's, your Chip Kelly's, um, you know, Nick Saban's, Mike Zimmer's, uh, that's really going to play a big part. And word on the street with uh, um, the Broncos offseason is they're really liking how Drew Locke uh, is learning. Obviously, a lot of it's going to be virtual right now, but learning from Shermer already. And they're just excited with all the weapons he has around him. Adding, you know, Judy to Fan already being there, Sutton already being there, throwing Gordon in the mix with Lindsey already there, you know, KJ Hamler. Like, they're just low to his speed. Even his college uh, teammate in, in Alberto as the second tight end potentially there. That's just a lot of weapons, you know. I don't think he has to do anything crazy. And he looked really good, you know, at some points. And, at the end of last season when he, when he jumped in. So to see a, you know, even a virtual off season, that's not a true off season, but to get a virtual off season where he's studying from someone who, who knows how to work with offenses and quarterbacks, you know, and Pat Shermer and just really being able to pick up things as a second year quarterback. Now, I just think we're going to see something special. He has all the confidence in the world. He can throw short passes. He's got an arm, he's got mobility and uh, he did pretty well on the decision-making for the most part. We, we know that in that division, you know, if I'm the coach in that division of the Broncos, I know that I can't go two years uh, of just taking else because I'm going to be, I'm going to get the boot and be out of there. So I think that's why they made a quick move to bring in uh, Shermer and, and give them a different look. Uh, and I also know that I probably have to score 25 plus points a game, you know, in my division to, to get some wins there. Cause there's going to, you know, there's going to be some high, high octane games and, uh, just high scoring games overall. So Drew Locke's going to, you know, get his passing attempts. I like that a lot. Um, definitely scarier in, in the Scott Fishbowl format, but I picked him as my third as a high upside guy. Um, but in a super flex format, oh my gosh, the ceiling is there. The trade value is there if you got to get out early. Um, you know, so that's definitely an easy pick for me. Gardner, you know, on the flip side is again, a guy that I do like. Uh, he just doesn't have the same amount of weapons there. And frankly, you know, I haven't trusted the Jacksonville Jaguars organization to this point. The The Fournette situation, I think, is going to have a dark cloud over that whole team for a while. I love the pickup of LaVisca Chenault. I think that's an absolute playmaker. I'm not as worried about the, you know, the injuries. Definitely has an injury pass, but nothing that's just, you know, should nag, you know, going forward. So, uh, I think that was a steal for them to add a playmaker like him with Shark. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Drew Locke is an easy one for me just looking at that trade value piece and, and the weapons around him. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, you basically hit every point I was going to say. Um, I I don't believe in either long term. I, I like Minshew. I just don't think Jacksonville is going to be good, and I think they're going to be really tempted I, I could see them being one of the bottom teams in the league. And if Lawrence or Fields is there, regardless of how well Minshew did, 
I they're going to pull the trigger on one of those two two quarterbacks. So I think if if they're as bad as they're projecting on paper, I'm right there with you, Ben. I don't trust that team at all. That Minshew might might only have this year with Jacksonville. Now that's not to say he won't go somewhere else, but with his contract, they're not going to trade him because he's not costing them anything to keep them as a, as a backup. But I just think his leash will be shorter just because of how well that team is going to perform. I'm right there. Like once if Locke starts off hot, I'm selling him. Um, I, and I think he will sell all, uh, start off hot just because of all, all the weapons that he has on the team. But I would be trying to use that, that momentum of him starting hot to try to sell him for a more established quarterback. Um, personally, um, I'm, I'm there with Bobby. I don't, agree i don't like drew lock long term but the i think he has uh just with the hype around him he has substantially more value than drew uh than gardner Minshew right now yeah the trade the trade value point is definitely good a good one um even though their adps are close that he locks definitely got the hype around them um I, I do think this is actually closer than we're gonna make it or the poll makes it because Minshew did have a really solid season. I did go back and, and read Bobby's article again. And, um, I mean, he was a little better in almost everything than, than the Locke was last year. The Locke had, did have the very small sample size. Uh, also playing devil's advocate, you can make the point. I mean, he's got a lot. Uh, Locke has all these weapons, but a lot of, you know, Judy's new. And, and they haven't had an off season to work with him and Hamler's new. He hasn't had the off season to work with him. And, and Minshew's basically working with mostly the same guys besides Chenault. But um, I, I agree with both of you though. I would, I would go lock over Minshew. Um, basically you guys said what I would, what was going to say the weapons. And, and also I do think he has better jobs. If he does play well, he has better job security than Minshew, which Dustin pointed out. Um, they definitely could go for uh, Lawrence or Fields if they're that bad next year. So it's three for three on lock. Sorry, Bobby. Um, so <laughs> we will uh, we'll move on to our commissioner corner. Commissioner corner. And Dustin, uh, you came up at the top of this week, so I'll let you take the lead on this one. Yeah, I think you know we're we're still still in the middle of the the non point scoring season right now, and. One of the questions I keep seeing on Twitter, especially a lot in the last couple of weeks after all the rookie drafts and stuff has happened is what, what do you do with inactivity in your league? How do you push activity in your league? What do you do with inactive owners? And and this can be, it doesn't have to be focused right towards after the rookie drafts are over before the, the actual season starts. It can be like, you know, after the, the Super Bowl, like what, what, what do you do to promote activity during that time? So I know Rocky, I know you commission a lot of leagues. What are you, what do you do to try to promote activity, if anything, um, in your leagues? I mean, uh, we talked a little bit about, about this when you came up with the topic, and I uh, it's hard to to you know legislate activity. You can't you can't really do that. You can't make people trade or um, you know be totally active, but definitely. And we always do this. Both of us in our leagues is uh, definitely having a group. Me, I think helps. It keeps the owners involved. Everybody's talking to each other. You can DM each other easily. Um, so that helps, helps with uh, keeping trade activity. I also, um, if the league is not super active, 
I'll probably, uh, you know, I'm an owner, obviously, in all those leagues as well. So I'll probably start throwing trade offers out there myself. But I've been pretty lucky. Um, and I commissioned five or six leagues at this point. That uh, I, I have tons of active people. You know, D- Dustin's super active, and he's in about half my leagues, I think. And uh, I got a lot of other guys that are, are really good at that um, across my league. So it hasn't been much of an issue that I've had to worry about. But uh, I think, like I said, I think if you haven't already, you should definitely be on GroupMe or Voxer or Slack or Discord or whatever. That I think that definitely helps promote activity to have a group setting that everybody's together in. And it, like I said, the other thing would be that maybe you just start trying to get the activity up yourself. Ben, you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, this is actually uh, one of my favorite topics. Um, I, I'm a big believer in, in being proactive in this situation, right? There's always going to be a situation where you get behind and, and the best thing you can do is try to reach out directly, um, use different forms of communication, obviously, as a commissioner. <clears throat> See if you can connect and, and ask why. Hey, how's things going? Because a lot of times there's life things that come up and that's where it roots, you know, from a lack of communication. It becomes a back burner on the priority. And in a lot of situations, it totally makes sense. And if you can connect with that owner and, and you know, listen to them or, you know, offer a, you know whatever type of support you can. A lot of times you'll bring those people back or you'll just build a stronger friendship because we, we become friends with majority of people in our leagues, you know, because we, we do spend a lot of time communicating, but there's some, you know, some really cool things that I've seen. Uh, I joined a league this year, uh, the league of dynasty trading gentlemen. And uh, this is, has the hashtag L O D T G. So if you want to follow that, it's an incredible group of guys. I didn't, I knew one of them and uh, didn't know any of the others, uh, but it was put together uh, by Kyle. And uh, what happened is we actually had the league chat made about three months before we drafted. So I was like, why would we even have a league chat three months before a draft? Like, it doesn't make sense. But then I saw how this thing played out. We didn't have trades and too much football to talk about. There's the occasional like football thing happening, but it was like January february march type situation right so pretty much you know until free agency kicked off one of the least active times of the year when it comes to fantasy life so we just chatted about life we got to know each other and and a lot of us started realizing man we had some things in common and boom then this draft comes along and i believe it was 80 something draft uh, 80 something trades in our startup draft it was just something crazy and uh I f- we felt like like, is this ever going to end? Like, it just became funny. So, like, people were like, oh, I got more trades than you. Like, it just became crazy. But it got me thinking. Um, it's really just about getting to know people and breaking the ice. Because even though it's just a trade or you're just sending a message or whatever, to you're going to respond to people that you respect, right? You're not going to ignore someone that you respect, even if it's just a trade, you know, type situation. It's just a trade offer. Well, you know that so-and-so is a coach, you're a coach, you know, and you both have kids or whatever it is, right? You're going to be like, man, I've, I've been chatting with them the other day about this. I, I at least have to respond, even if it's a hell no, get off me. Like that <laughs> offer is horrible. You're going to respond, right? And it, if you really respect them, there's a good chance you're even going to counter or at least start a discussion on it. So I really think that's where the trades came from. So it got me thinking for future drafts, I'm absolutely going to at least probably put a month before my draft as much as we rush because we're like so antsy to start it you know we got our we got 12 guys like let's go we're gonna start the draft tomorrow right and you always got people like pushing you to get into it 
Well, I think if you put those group of people together before the NFL draft happens, it's it's a great you know recipe to have an extremely active league, and and it's been phenomenal. Now, for those leagues that are already happening out there, I think we've learned a lot from what's going on right now with having to be stuck at home. What are we doing right now? We're doing Zoom calls for work. Why can't we do the same thing? You know, not everybody has to get on it, you know, but find a time with your league and get to know each other, right? You can't get out of the house. I bet you a lot of people really appreciate that. And we talk, you know, I've seen some great stuff. I think there's a mental health pot-a-thon going on right now. Well, that that's going to help mental health types issues as well in our in our community and we know there's a ton of that you know that things that's close to my heart so you know as a commissioner you could look at this as just a football thing or you can look at this as man i got an opportunity to make an impact with with these other 11 owners with me and uh you know i think just creating a bond and creating a support system or a, a communication system is phenomenal and why not use something like zoom where you know not everybody can get together you know, in person all the time because these leagues are so spread out geographically. But what an opportunity to start something new. And if you got a league that's kind of petering out, throw that out to there. If only three people jump on it first, that's three. Maybe it'll be four the next time. But set a time. Maybe it's week. Maybe it's every other week. And, and just get that going in the off season. I bet you'll have a lot more fun in that league. Get to know some people. And I'll tell you, the trades will go up. No problem. I really yeah, like actually- that. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, like, I, I love that the Zoom idea. Yeah. Um, in in Trade Addicts three, which we were already really close in Trade Addicts three. Um, I was gonna say like, the same thing. We did like I, like eighty trades is a lot of startup. We did like one hundred thirty something trades in the startup, and like, <laughs> and that was done in like four days. So like a thirty seven round startup draft with a hundred something trades in four days. But like that group's been amazing. But we've done Zoom calls since then, and it's really brought us close even closer yeah. um, and a whole bunch of trades happened during the, or a couple of trades happened during, yeah, during, the, the, during the zoom, just yeah. because like we were on the front, you know, three to four hours, just, just chatting. Um, I love that idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the, I love the zoom idea. I think it's, you know, obviously I, I what Rocky and uh, Ben said, like having a group chat is I think super important. Um, I think like for newer leagues, it's also just setting expectations. Like, you know, we're, we're going into this league expecting activity. Like we're not just your set your lineup and forget it type type thing. Like there's, there is a point scoring season and then there's a non non point scoring season where all your other moves happen and setting those expectations with owners. I've done a, some Twitter leagues and I've done some home leagues um, Ben's actually in one of the home leagues that's kind of evolved to mm-hmm. slash half home, half Twitter. And it's yeah. been a, a challenge bringing people on to be active in that league. Um, mm-hmm. because some of them came from redraft or some of them, like they know each other. So they didn't understand the whole dynasty aspect of it. So that's been challenging. Um, it's funny what I did to try to try to promote activity and it totally backfired on me was I, I did the outhouse challenge, you know, <laughs> send me a trade. If you went on Twitter, then I will accept your trade. <laughs> and that Ben Let's was go. the one that sent me the trade where I had to trade in Patrick Mahomes that I was confused. Oh, he was the one. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yes. he hated yes. that trade. I tried yeah, to get Patrick just... Mahomes many times and I saw an opportunity. <laughs> Man, I was 
at the beginning, I was I was uh, texting people like FF Trader Joe. I was like, "Hey, I need you to go vote for this. Retweet it and vote." And then it got too it then it got too out of hand. It was like sixty to forty, and I was like, "Man, I was like, there's yeah. no way I'm coming back from this now." And now, like, yeah. for anybody wondering, Dustin hey, lives lives up to it. He will put every single trade offer on Twitter. So I commend <laughs> you for that, man. But oh, there's yeah, no I way got, I'm doing that. <laughs> I got attacked. I got attacked. I had like. I, I had almost 60 offers, so I sent out yeah. 60 tweets. Yeah, and they all got retweeted <laughs> because yeah. he was getting so many. <laughs> it was I was bored at work one day, and then it just cut out of hand, and I got overwhelmed and stressed out. I had people attacking me on Twitter, like cussing me out because I was in, I, I was having too many tweets on their 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 thread. I was just like. I'm done. I'm over this. And then I had to trade Patrick Mahomes away. And then I had to trade Jalen Rager to uh, a buddy of mine and Ben's Devin in another league for Amari Cooper. And uh, I had to give up like an early first. I that's like a, that. a top three pick and Jalen Rager for Amari Cooper. And so it was just like, yeah. I'm done, but it did help promote activity. It was like, <laughs> a whole bunch of like, I got a whole bunch of trades done and then I kept getting offers afterwards because people were just like, oh, I missed it. Like, I, I still want to trade. And like, so it got people talking, but it's kind of died down in some of those leagues since then. So, you know, I think I've actually, I've had that straight conversation. If you have people on your team that aren't active and just being like, hey man, like, what's your thought? Yeah. How, after year one, year two, like, I haven't seen you make a lot of moves. How are you doing in the league? Like as a commish, I, I, I feel like checking in on your owners as well. Um, it, it will help that commodity in the league and it'll also help you gauge where people's at. Like there's no problem with people that aren't going to be as active. Not everyone is just going to be as active in the leagues. Like that's just how it's going to be. Like I'm, I, I consider myself to be more active in basically every single league than, than, than the rest of the league that I'm in. And that's just me. And I don't expect everyone to be to my level, but I have had those conversations like asking people if this was the right fit for them, if they, if they still wanted to be in the league. And what I found out is a lot of people just, they don't know how to like they committed. So they want to stay, but they're not really having fun. So just having those open and honest conversations, getting to know your league mates and just like, if it's not a great fit for the league, be like, Hey man, like, I've had feedback from owners that you're not responding to offers. You're letting them expire. Like, what's up? What do you need from us? And a lot of times that will lead to, hey, I'm just not a right fit. And then you can find the right fit after that. So, yeah, I was going to mention that that I know some leagues, and I think Trade Addicts technically has this rule in there where um, if you don't respond to a trade offer within seven days, that's, I think, technically ground for quote unquote expulsion from the league. Um, or at least talking to the guy. What do you think of putting that actually in the bylaws? I I like putting it in the bylaws as a... I like having it there as if you want to use it to, like, to get somebody out of the league. I think the hard thing about that is, as a commissioner, you're not going to know without doing a, a whole bunch of extra research on or having your league owners come tell you that people aren't responding, that you that uh, an offer is expiring so I, I don't want to do anything that's going to make more work for the commissioners um they already like there's already a ton that they're doing and having them check in on every single trade offer like first of all they're going to then see everyone's trade offers if they're being accepted or not and what people are offering and then commissioners can potentially go in and, and try to make deals so i don't like you know i usually give up my commission powers to see 
uh, to see moves as a commissioner because I don't want to see the offers that other owners are making to themselves. So I don't know that there's an easy way for commissioners to police that. Uh, what do you, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I, I definitely don't hate it. Uh, you know, having in the bylaws, I think regardless, there's a lot of leagues out there that don't have bylaws. So number one, get your bylaws in there. You know, like you cannot run a dynasty league and, and go on the, well, you know, as the commissioner, I think this is how it should be. And, uh, there's going to be people that are calling you out and you're going to be fighting those battles like eventually daily. Right. So bylaws are, are really, really important. So, uh, in a situation like this, it's not a bad thing to have, but I do agree that it's tough to enforce, you know, it's, you know, I, if you're going to enforce it, it, it can be tough. So I guess I'm just, I would just be careful on how I word it. That would be my biggest piece of advice there. And if you're having that issue, there's more to it. So I'd say get to the bottom of it, get to the root of it. Um, so-and-so might be ignoring trades cause they say somebody else sends crappy trades or whatever it might be. Um, you know, so there's definitely, a time where you can mediate a little bit as the commissioner, but um, you know, it, it, the bylaws does give you the power to act if you have to. Right. So um, if you don't have that set up in your bylaws, it definitely makes things a lot tougher. Right. Uh, but you can jump to also things like uh, league votes, but you just want to create the least amount of drama as possible as well and keep it fun. Cause we do this for fun and, and for competitiveness and to get away from the real world. So um, you have to find that healthy balance with your with your league. So I think it, you know, as long as you're checking in with all the owners, the commissioner definitely has to do that. Just as if you're a leader in whatever field you're in, you know, in your workplace or your if you're a coach or whatever, you got to check in with all the owners. So if you're not doing that, um, it becomes really tough to enforce things that are in the bylaws because you don't have that relationship. So you're instantly going to get uh, pushed back and and that defensive wall up. So bylaws, yes, should it be in there for sure. Uh, but if you're not checking in with those owners and communicating ahead of time, uh, it's going to be really, really tough to, you know, do that unless you look like you're just dictating your league, which sometimes happens. Man, you're you're speaking my language. I think every episode, except I think one, I've talked about how important bylaws in your league is and not joining leagues and that don't this, have bylaws. This episode so like, will also be included in that. <laughs> yeah, that, so that is definitely like you know that is definitely like i I love that you brought that up because bylaws i think is the most important thing for your league more so than going back to the trade addicts like having that phrase in there yeah you don't have to act on it but it's there to protect you in the league if you do decide to act on yes. it um like, yeah i don't necessarily know that it's going to make sense for a commissioner to be able to act on upon it because there's no way to track it but having that there to protect you is is kind of the key on that you know and i i have had those conversations with owners like hey i've been told that you let two offers expire like i told you from the beginning and it says in the bylaws mm -hmm. expectations are that you're responding to all offers and i actually put in there within 48 hours now obviously there are some certain circumstances that come up so i don't i don't act on it within the first you know, two to three times it happens, but if it continues to happen, you know, they're not on the waiver wire and they're letting offers expire, then that's when I check in and I still don't approach it that I'm trying to kick them out of the league. I'm, I, I approach it seeing if they're a good fit and they're still having fun. And in my, in what I've realized is just some of the times those people just aren't even checked in to think about it, to know kind of that they're dropping the ball. They don't know that, 
hey, they, they forget about the league or they're not as committed to the league, so they don't check in. So they don't think it's a big deal to to tell you to leave uh, or that they want out. So that's why it's important to check in on your owners because sometimes like it's going to make your league a lot better just checking in on them in the first place. But also just being like, hey, like, you know, the big, oh, you know what, man, I, I forgot all about the league. No, I'm not. I'm not interested. Like, I would love to be out. I just, I... I'm out. So I haven't even been thinking about it, you know, like redraft leagues, people like once they're done with the league, they just, they're out. Um, the same thing does happen in dynasty. So that's as a commissioner, you just have to check in and, and approach it that way. Yeah. Good, good discussion. I think the, yeah, the key points are, you know, communication, super important commissioner has to be involved. And like you said, you don't want to, you don't want to kick anybody out of a league. The, I mean, the best scenario is to have good guys from the beginning. But if a lot of times we put these leagues together through Twitter and the like, so um, just checking in with people is important. And I, like we said, I think it's good to have that in the bylaws just so that you can kind of use that when you approach them and and go from there and just kind of check in with them. But yeah, you never want to kick anybody out. So I think we talked that out. So let's get on to our dynasty strategy portion of the show. Dynasty strategy. This week, um, what we're going to do is I there was a tweet Ryan McDowell put out uh, in June, and he put uh, players whose dynasty value has risen since the end of the fantasy season, since GameStop being played. And there's various reasons for these, which we'll get into as we discuss the guys. Um, he also did some followers, which we're going to talk about next week. But we're going to talk about the risers this week. And there's a list of players here. He actually, I think, he included ADP. also included, I think, the DLF rankings and in, in who he was determining. And I think maybe even the uh, the trade analyzer points, how they've gone up and things like that. But uh, I guess we'll just, on each guy, we'll just kind of touch on the ADP because I think that proves the, shows the point on most of them. But so we're going to get into these guys and just talk about why they're rising, what we're doing with them, what we think of them. So uh, I kind of organized them by the biggest jumpers to the, to the lowest. So the first guy we want to talk about is Kenyon Drake, who his ADP from late, and I went with Superflex ADP. I think Ryan used one uh, QB because he generally puts out tweets on one QB. But uh, ADP went from 102 back in December to 40 in June. Now there's obvious reasons for this. Um, you know he became the the obvious main guy. They did keep him there. They didn't bring anybody in. But uh, what are we thinking on Kenyon Drake at this point? Is is forty too high? What are we doing with him? Yeah, if I'm a contender, uh, I'm pretty content with holding right now. Um, but always playing that dynasty game at that forty mark, this is not a long term guy. I think there's more buzz around him right now in the positive sense um, than there is around a guy like Aaron Jones, who's probably more valuable. For this year is what I feel. I'd, I'd be more comfortable having Aaron Jones this season. Um, but I'm probably shopping Kenyon Drake for one of these rookies that I think is going to has a chance to still help me this year. Um, maybe not on the level of Kenyon Drake, but is definitely going to help me in the long run. So a name that would come to mind would be a J.K. Dobbins. If I could find a way to pick up a J.K. Dobbins for Kenyon Drake, um, that'd be phenomenal. Now, Chances are Dobbins is going to be on a rebuild team, so that might be a little tougher. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely trying to sell Kenyon Drake with that kind of jump. Um, I, I know we said uh, we didn't add much. But Benjamin's a guy that I think you bring in. He, you know, as a Debbie, Debbie guy myself, 
he was one of the top Debbie guys uh, just a couple seasons ago. So the talent is there. I think he has a chance to, to chip away. I do think Chase Edmonds had some moments last year as well. Uh, I think Drake's going to get the bulk of the carries, and that's going to be – it should be a lot more of a dynamic offense this year, especially with Hopkins there. Uh, but 40 is a little bit too high for me, and, and I don't like the long-term contract situation. So uh, that at that point, on that quick of a rise and at Kenyon Drake's age, uh, I'm definitely trying to sell. But if I'm in a hard contention and I don't have enough running backs, you know, you, you probably just hold at this point. Yeah, I yeah, couldn't so. agree with you more, Ben. I, I, I feel like Kenyon Drake is a bit of a trap. Um, he he had the good run at the end of last year, but he he really he started off with a good game, and then he had kind of a run of 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 meh. Uh, for for like four or five games, and then he finished off great because he, a lot of it was because he scored a lot of touchdowns, which obviously isn't uh, sustainable. And he actually the the two games he blew up at the in the in the playoffs, which sticks in a lot of people's minds, obviously. Um, but those were two of the 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 lesser run defenses in the league in Seattle and the Browns. I think they were both like twenty third or worse against the run last year. So. And also during that run, uh, Edmonds and DJ, neither was real. I mean, DJ was playing, but neither was really all that healthy. And we've never seen Drake carry the load for a full season anywhere in Miami or, or with Arizona. So uh, I'm definitely with you. I think he's a sell, especially at that for that early fourth round ADP. Uh, I think I, I'm not sure if I own Drake anywhere and I'm not really interested in doing so. So if I had him, I would be selling, but I, I don't think I have him anywhere. What do you think, Dustin? Yeah. So I wanted to do this with, with Drake specifically, just because he's the biggest riser that we've seen. I want to go, I want to play a little bit of, you know, uh shout out to outhouse of Brian Har's uh, uh, ADP game. Now I'm looking at the DLF uh, super flex ADP for June that these numbers came from or uh, for July, excuse me. And I want to, like look at a couple right behind him and see kind of if you would take any of them over Drake at, at his 40 ADP. So, you know, Drake's right at 40, uh, 41 is Alan Robinson. Who do you guys like there? Alan Robinson or, or Drake? Uh, Alan Robinson by a lot for me. Hey, you got it. A Rob. I was all stuck <laughs> there, but Alan Robinson by a lot for me as well. That's an easy choice. Easy, easy choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No worries. Um, yeah, so we'll go to the next one. At 42 is DeAndre Swift. Um, DeAndre Swift or, or Drake? Um, yeah, I like I, – I would probably go with – I like – I mean, I think I could definitely see Drake having a better 2020 season, but I would probably be willing to trade Drake for Swift plus <laughs> if I could. But definitely I would rather have Swift long term. Yeah, that's one of those rookies that I'm talking about. I definitely am taking Swift, and I would challenge that Swift has the chance to have a better season this year. Um, I think that the the carry-on uh, situation really scared people right out of the gates, um, but now you're starting to see Swift separate from carry-on in rankings. So, um, you know, for, for the right reason. Swift is a monster. That's a guy we were talking about at 101, so – Swift easily for me over Drake potentially this year or close if not and and darn sure for the long term. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the list. I'm not going to keep going one by one, but like next one is Acres. I'm sure we'd all take Acres over or Drake. Um, Aaron Jones, the guy that um, that Ben was talking about, like they both have the same upside this year. And Aaron Jones, I th I still think has more of a, a long term future. And then you get into like Daniel Jones, Tua, DK Metcalf. Like Ridley Sutton, I would take all those guys over Drake. All of them. Um, and they're all 
like even going deeper, like you're looking at CD Lamb, Mark Andrews, like Stefan Diggs, McLaurin. I would take all of those guys over Drake, and they're like now we're down into the 60s. So, uh, yeah, you know, if crazy. you have anyone in your league that's valuing Drake at a 40 ADP, sell him immediately and get like mm-hmm. a McLaurin and a another piece, you know, just get, get two of those yeah. later guys for Drake and and yeah. Yeah, the only one of those guys you said that's even close to me is Aaron Jones, just because you don't know his long-term potential as well. But Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Russ and I had talked about this on on the uh, DAP Live we did on Sunday. I kind of see Aaron Jones as a bit of a buy because I think even though they're close in ADP, I don't think people are valuing Aaron Jones the way they should be. I I told uh, Russ I'm not worrying about A.J. Dillon. I think he's Jamal Williams insurance. So um, he, he. I think I would still take him over Drake, but that's the only one of the guys you said I even think is close. But we'll move on to the next guy. Um, it's funny too. All these, uh, all the major ones are, are running backs. I'm not sure how far into this list we'll get because we're we're getting into the show already. But the next one is uh, Raheem Mostert, who went from 147 in December to 89. So he's not super high, but it was a very big jump. And for me. Uh, Mostert is another guy who's in who's an obvious sell, and it kind of reminds me of the uh, the Sony Michelle bump in 2018 uh, to 2019 offseason, um, where he had the great end of the year. He had great playoffs. Um, I, I unfortunately bought into the Sony Michelle hype a little bit, so I have a little bit too much Sony, as I've mentioned before. But um, he also had a better pedigree than Mostert, too, who's a, a 28-year-old uh, undrafted free agent. So uh, I, I don't really see w- why we should be you know, buying him. He should definitely be a sell. And a lot of his uh, production at the end of last year was based on t- off TDs. I think he had uh, a touchdown in every one of the last five games. And uh, he's not a real great pass catcher either. I, I definitely – and there's – Shanahan likes to use multiple running backs. Te- Tev Coleman's going to be involved. He's the better pass catcher. So what do you guys think on, on Mostert? Yeah, I was going to say for me, uh, yeah, definitely Mostert is a hold at this point. Obviously, uh, when this ADP came out, uh, the news hadn't broken that he requested a trade. So I suspect that that ADP is going to take a significant drop again. Um, because he was one of those guys that doesn't have that name value, right? He doesn't have the name value. He had a phenomenal run at the end of the year, um, but we know that, like you mentioned already, uh, we know that Shanahan runs multiple backs. He was definitely a guy that I was targeting later in drafts as potential upside, because if he can get 60% of that backfield, that would be phenomenal. But I thought he was hard to trade away before. I don't think peanuts for him at this point not right now not with uh, the potential trade happening and not having any idea of where he could go or he stays so he might even be a buy situation for me because people are scared and if i can get him for i don't know a second if i'm a contender potentially i don't know if i'd pay that much but i might try a third and and a fourth and see what happens i i think his value is going to plummet right now people are going to panic and uh, so if I have them already, it's definitely a hold. You have to hope that the 49ers work something out and bump his pay a little bit. But um, he, he's a good fit for that offense. He's definitely not going to get all the carries, but I definitely like like his fit there. Yeah, I'm right there with Ben. Um, I 
I, he was definitely a sell for me before the news. I've seen so many people just panicking all over, like in the last day and day and a half since the news came out that they're trying to get out from, from most And I, I think now he's going to turn into that buy because I think his ADP will drop back down to where it was in the, maybe not all the way back down to almost 150, but I think he will drop back down to like, the 100 120 range in ADP wise and at that point like he still has a shot at at getting the uh, like 60% of the workload that Ben was talking about and he's he's not getting traded like nobody's going to buy him especially at this point of the year like no one's going to bring in a 20 year old journeyman running back who's had like a dozen good games if that in his career and give up anything for him and pay him more money. Like that's just not going to happen. So he's going to be in San Francisco. So I don't think his scenario, his situation is really going to change at all from a workload standpoint. He's, he's still going to go out there. He's still going to perform because he's still going to, if they don't give him more money, he's going to try to prove that he is worth that money next year or, or whatever that looks like. So I, th- I, I think he's actually going to turn into a buy because I think his price will come down to a, like a latest second or early third plus something else on top. So I, I'm there. I think if you own them, you're not going to sell them for anything worth worth value. So hold them or go buy him actually. Yeah, I hear that about the trade thing. I just, I guess because what I was thinking is exactly what you were saying is that he's not going anywhere. And I don't, I don't think I, fairly soon, I think people are going to realize that he's not going anywhere. So he's maybe not a sell now. But as, as, as the offseason goes on and people realize he's staying in San Francisco or maybe early in the season if he starts producing, I'm still selling at that point because I still think even if he has a good first couple games, Tev could have four good games right after that. So he's definitely maybe eventually a sell would have been a better point because, yeah, the trade news, people, us dynasty owners are often very reactive and 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 panic too quickly. So, but he's, uh, you're right. He's, I don't think he's going anywhere. There's no reason to think he's going anywhere. But the next guy is uh, Austin Eckler. Uh, he went from 67 in December to 31 now. Obviously, Gordon not resigning helped that. And then they actually did sign Eckler. So it does make some sense. Uh, Dustin, what do you think on Eckler? Yeah. Uh, so unlike Drake, Eckler is a guy that I, I would buy at his ADP. I mid to late third in the startup value. Like I love Eckler there. Uh, Eckler has been good since he came into the league, even with Melvin Gordon. Um, and now they didn't bring anybody else in. And what I like in this is what I, what I like about what they're doing down there in Los Angeles is they're not committing to him hundred percent, which I think is actually going to be good for him. He's not going to get all the carries and that's not where, what his value is. His his value is a weapon and that's kind of what the Chargers have been listing him as, as just an offensive weapon not just a running back because he's just so so impactful in so many different facets of the game that he's going to find ways to be productive and he was always a startable flex asset before he was just the guy. Um, so I love him in the mid to, uh, mid to late third. Um, I you know he's the only only guy in that backfield that is going to really put up any value. Um, and with Tyrod there, I think that's like going to really help uh, Eckler in the beginning, just catch all those dump off passes. Like I, I see him in not 
I, I could see him being a Christian McCaffrey light. Like obviously saying that, like that's going to make a lot of people like, oh wow, like he's Christian McCaffrey. No, like, but I, I, you know, not not to that level. But he's going to be out there getting six, seven balls a game, um, and you know, a hundred, hundred to hundred fifty all-purpose yards a game, um, a couple of scores in there. Like that's that's value. Like you're, and the thing about Eckler is he doesn't have to run the ball to have value and he doesn't have to only catch the ball to have value. He can he can win so many different ways and that's why that's why I would pay for him right there. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, that's he is a guy that uh I jumped on the train way too late. I I, I thought about trying to buy him. I kept thinking about it and then I was like, "Nah, it's going to fade. It's going to fade." No, this guy is for real. He is the real deal. I was exactly going to say the the CMC light piece um, if give me 65, 70% of CMC at that price, um, and you're stealing at that ADP, he is a guy that's going to help win leagues. Um, he is definitely worth a buy. Yeah. They brought in a, a good rookie. I like Josh Kelly. Uh, I think that's a, a good fit for him, but it's an obvious pairing type fit. So I think, you know, Josh Kelly is, is not Melvin Gordon. So I think you're going to see the uptick in, in uh, you know, the overall carries slash touches go to Eckler even more than it was with Gordon. And I'm excited for that. We saw what he did with just a, a limited amount. And is this not the motiv- most motivated guy of the offseason? He is, he is just going savagely at people on Instagram, Twitter. You say something bad about him, he's coming at you with stats. He doesn't care. This guy's motivated. He's ready for his moment. And uh, I'm excited. I like a guy that's public like that. And uh, at that 31 spot, this is a guy that could finish top 10 overall in scoring. So why wouldn't you buy? Yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I was going to say I love he your point. FF counselor on Instagram. I don't know if you guys saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, saw and that. he's also he's also posted a couple of workout videos. And you know, the workout videos to the to the dynasty community, like just having the workout videos, really helps boost your value. So, yeah. <laughs> just having those out there, you know, especially <laughs> if they're shirtless. Yeah, joking yeah, a little John, bit, but Johnny Smith. <laughs> yep, but you know, every time there's a, those pictures, like DK Metcalf jumped a whole bunch after his combine of those shirtless pictures. Like everyone's like, "Oh, I gotta have him." <laughs> like so, you know, joke, joke, joking aside, you know, like he's just got that hype out there. But I do want to touch on something Ben said really quick. I do 100% agree with your take of, of Joshua Kelly. I'm not afraid of, of Justin Jackson really in. I think they want to keep him as a, a third down back or a you know a third third string running back and just be there that can spell guys. I think Joshua Kelly is going to be a sneaky play, um, and I think he's going to get more carries and more work than what most people think. So I've been buying in any of my rookie drafts I had, I bought him all over in the fourth round um, because I, I I think he's going to have like I think there he's going to have some some flex worthy weekends, especially when you get into the buys. I I could see him getting. 10 to 15 touches a game um and he's he's gonna have some value with that yeah i'm, I'm agreeing with you way too much this week dustin because i'm with both of you on, on the eckler train uh as opposed to say drake i definitely but and i'm with ben too i was way too late to buy into eckler i always i've always yeah. been sort of a little wary of those guys who are mostly pass catching backs and I, I i'm always late to get on board with them but we saw his upside last year as top five and uh, he like like Dustin said, he can get you in so many ways. He can run the ball. He and I, I've heard this narrative from some places that Tyrod doesn't like to dump off a lot. 
But uh, Shady had a couple 50-catch seasons, and Eckler's even better pass-catching back than Shady is. Um, he had that with Tyrod, so back in Buffalo. So I'm definitely agreeing with both of you on Eckler. Uh, even in the, uh, I guess that's the third round, I like him there. And I, I drafted him as my, my, my RB1 in Scott Fishbowl, so I'm definitely on board. Um, so we'll do at least uh, one more guy here, um, which is Miles Sanders. Uh, who we have talked about on the show before, but he's went from 57 back in December to 19 in Superflex ADP in June. So mid-second round. Uh, what do you think of him at that ADP? They didn't. They still haven't added anybody, so uh, it, it, I definitely can see why people are loving him. Um, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I I don't know what it is about Sanders, man. I haven't been able to get on board yet. Um, at the night, at that, let's just talk strictly that ADP. He's gonna get work. They haven't added anybody. He had some flashes where he just looked phenomenal. Um, he's great at you know receiving as well. Uh, they also do have Boston Scott who flashed and had some moments. So I think that's what scares me about it. I see. I see Miles Sanders getting drafted. I've seen him go at like 109 now in some drafts recently. And that at in that first round area, I'm not touching that. At the the mid to even maybe like early-ish second round, I, I can get behind it. At 19, I can get behind that. But first round, I just don't think I'm there yet. And uh this might be a guy that I I missed the train on. But that's uh you know, that happens sometimes. But, yeah, I just think Boston Scott has shown us a little bit uh, with receiving. He's a dynamic little playmaker. I, I think there's always room for multiple playmakers. But when you're drafting a guy potentially in the first round, you're going for that full workhorse. I'm thinking of a, a Zeke-type type situation where I'm just catching, you know, everything is coming to me. No questions about it. And nobody is even an afterthought unless I get hurt. And I just don't know if I'm there yet with with Miles Sanders. So at 19, sure, I'm cool. But I, I definitely I thought that was kind of low. I was surprised. So 19, I'm OK with at his age. I do think he's going to get a lot of work, uh, but anything higher than that. And I'm becoming pretty wary at that situation. So I'm pretty meh at him at, at that price point. Dustin, what do you think of Sanders? Yeah, um, I so I've kind of shifted a little bit in this offseason. Like I loved him at the beginning of the offseason, kind of before the big jump happened. And then like the jump exploded and everybody was like, go like he was worth more than 101 plus. He was worth more than Jacobs plus. He was worth more than CH, obviously more than uh, 101. Like I just, I don't know. And you can probably speak on this a little bit more as the Eagles. Like, I still think that they're going to bring somebody in. And if they're like, if it's just him and Boston Scott, I'm fine with him there. But I don't, the the Eagles are really confusing to me on just kind of where they're going to go. Like, they invested Peterson. so much in. No, yeah, I know. <laughs> He's just, I just, like, Peterson likes to use so many guys. And like, their whole draft was focused on, like wide receivers and pass catchers and like they're it, but you have Miles Sanders who's great at running and showed really good but like I I just don't know what to think of the team and like their direction 
and what his usage is going to be. And like they've been linked to almost every free agent running back. And like I wouldn't be surprised if they went and got Mostert like for cheap and brought in Mostert to compete. And then, you know, if that happens, like I, I think you're gonna see that dip for Sanders. And that's what I want to buy. I want to buy when I still think they're going to bring in another body at some point. So that's when I want to buy Sanders. Now I'm not saying that, like, I don't think he can produce at, at 19, but like those top 20 to 25 picks, like you have to hit on those guys. And he just has more question marks than some of the guys around him. And I think I'd rather go with something safer at that point. Um, but that's just me. Um, like Jonathan Taylor and ADP is going right before him and uh, CEH is uh, three spots behind him. Jacobs is four spots. Like, I think I would rather take most of those guys over them because I don't have any questions about their usage and about their situations. Like I do Sanders. Yeah. Um, I'm basically kind of with you. I, I think, and you know, I'm an Eagles fan. I love Sanders uh, on my team, but uh, I definitely think that the risk of Sanders, even at 19, I'm not sure is totally baked in. I do think, and I've said this before, that that Peterson has never had a Sanders, and that's part of the reason we've seen the, the running back by committee all these years. He's never had anyone really even that close to Sanders. So um, I definitely yeah. think there's a possibility, yeah, that he could have that the upside that everybody sees in him. But like we've mentioned, um, they've added the pass catchers, and uh, a lot of his uh, work down the stretch last year was being involved in the passing game. He, he was catching balls 30, 40 yards downfield because they had no receivers. So, um, or at least running routes there and occasionally catching passes. So, um, if he, and I do think they want to bring somebody in. I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not. But, uh, I mean, there was talk about them in on Hyde and talk about them in on uh, Freeman at different points. So I definitely there's a possibility they bring somebody in and and Scott will take some of the receiving work. They have more receivers there to take to take some of the receiving work away from Sanders. So I, I definitely like him and I can see him uh, reaching that ADP. But I think you're kind of drafting him at his close to his ceiling, at, even at 19, let alone the first round. Yep. So I, I would I would be looking to sell them if someone someone's uh, valuing him at that and uh, maybe getting, um, you know, so one of those rookies like Ben was saying or something like that, and uh, plus something that you could get on top of it. So uh, with that, though, I guess um, we're getting long here. So I guess we'll go to find me a trade. We'll, we'll move on to there. So we'll do find me a trade. Find me a trade. So this week we have a interesting league here submitted by Craig Patrick at Dynasty Craig. Um, it's a 12-team PPR, 1QB, uh, half PPR league. It's got a 1.0 tight end premium, so it's it's tight end premium, but only 1.0. And this also only has those – it's got 13 starters, but six of them are offense, one's a kicker, and one is – and then six are IDP. Uh, we told the guy we're not we're not really IDP experts here, so we're mostly focusing on the offense. He was cool with that. He starts um, so starts those 13, 30 man rosters. Um, he's a borderline contender. He thinks got a pretty strong team, which I think we all agree with. 
And the set for the salary part is actually most of these league teams in the league have pretty good cap space. So we kind of uh, didn't really worry too much about salary, but um, Dustin, why don't you go ahead with your trade? Yeah. So his team is, is pretty, pretty good um, at a single quarterback. He's got Stafford and Daniel Jones. Like I love that, that combo and his, I know we're not focusing too much on salary, but, um, with how much cap they seem to have, Daniel Jones at a five hundred forty-six thousand uh, dollar salary, like, and they have a sixty million in in cap, like that's awesome. His running back room is, you know, he's got Acres, Dobbins, Fournette, Carryon, Mixon, Mac, Daryl Henderson, like, so he's he's set at running back, and at wide receiver he's got Odell, Amari, CD, Parker, Rager, and Robert Woods, and even at tight end Mark Andrews and Hawkinson. So like. He's got depth all over. He's got starters all over. Like he he's he's set to to make a deep run into the playoffs. Um, what I wanted to do was to split up his um, his cowboy receivers because he's got Cooper and CD. So my trade was him giving up Amari Cooper and Daryl Henderson and getting Cortland Sutton and Brian Edwards um, on the uh, DOF trade analyzer. The Amari uh, Cooper and Daryl Henderson side was six forty four. And the Sutton and Brian Edwards side is 636. I think uh, this is the opportunity to try to buy Sutton with Judy coming in and, and Melvin Gordon coming in. And, and some people I've seen around are cooling a little bit on Sutton just because, oh, no, he's got he's got competition. He's not going to be as effective. But but sort, Sutton is the, the alpha in that offense. And I think he's going to continue to be the uh, alpha. And Judy is just going to help open things up for him. So I love buying Sutton right now and using amari to get him um you get you get younger and i think sutton is going to be just as productive as amari and then you get brian edwards in the deal who i love brian edwards i think he is going to end up being car's go-to guy rugs is going to be the field stretcher we all know that and but i think brian edwards is going to be i think he's just going to be all over the field and i think he's going to succeed very well um He's one of my buys um, from the, just this draft class. He was super talented, um, and I think he landed in an opportunity to walk into targets right away. So um, there's still some upside with Henderson. So using that that Henderson name to try to get Brian Edwards added to Sutton, I think was the same dunk. And um, like we talked about earlier, we're not focusing too much on salary, but it will cut some of his salary a little bit, not a ton, but Amari's uh, salary is four point five million, and I think Sutton was one point one million. So if you can get that deal done, like you're cutting three million from your salary and getting somebody that's just as productive. I don't know. Like Amari's got some questions this this offseason as well with them drafting CD Lamb. So I wouldn't be like if you have to swap out swap out Henderson with carry on or Mac, one of those backup running backs that you have that has some of their value hit this off season, but still some people still see some value. I would swap out Henderson for one of those guys and still, still like doing the deal. I would like to talk about that in a little bit, but I think we have a special guest here that's popping in. How's it going? Yeah. Thanks for going on guys. One Mr. Scott hey. fish popping on the pod. I was gonna wear my my SFB nine shirt uh, for the for the draft. Uh, right now. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, really appreciate you coming on, Scott. I I, I 
messaged him earlier. I, I wasn't sure it was going to happen. Any, I just uh, was DMing him as you were talking, Dustin. <laughs> so, um, so I guess uh, with you on here, there's a couple things we talked about earlier that I'd, I'd probably like to get your opinion on. First of all, uh, how, how do you like your 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 Scott Fishbowl team so far? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I do not like it at all. I feel like I, I've reached several times. I feel like I've been sniped a lot. Uh, I was very purposely going for a, a completely unique roster construction, uh, something to set myself up apart a little bit, just uh, just in case I make it to the playoffs. I, I was going very, very shallow. Yeah, it was... Uh, I don't like it. I don't like what happened. I went really heavy on, on quarterback and tight end and uh, it is what it is. We'll see how it happens. See how it turns out. Yeah. I heard in the one of four chat, someone was mentioning they're in the Lego division and mentioning you were going really heavy on tight end. They kept thinking they could wait. They were around the turn or something. And Scott kept drafting tight ends at the turn every time. Here's the thing in balanced scoring. I mean, I I've been going, I've gone heavy tight end three straight years and I've been, uh, eight and four or better all three years and uh, made the semifinals, the conference finals. And one year I was top 25 in scoring. So like, like my brain has conditioned itself to just say, okay, apparently heavy tight end just works for me in this, in this, uh, in this balanced scoring system. Yeah. I heard that, that you like heavy tight end last year too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Ben, Ben over here, he, he went super strong (laughs) tight end at the, at the beginning. He, uh, I'll let him talk about it. I, I, I feel good about my tight ends. I, I waited a little bit longer than I wanted to. I just kept seeing like value drop everywhere else. I, I have yeah. right now I have Ian Thomas and Hunter Henry, uh, but I got Hunter Henry in like the end of the 10th. Like I'm in the 11th what? spot. So yeah, I got about 10, 10, 11, 10, 11. So I was like at that point, like, you know, like that. I think yeah. his ADP is like seventh or eighth round. That's in, yeah. that's insane value. Yeah, so at that point, but I, he was my first tight end at that point. Uh, Fan yeah. actually went like three picks before that, so both Fan and, and Henry went super late in my draft. So that's why I was like, okay, I, I can wait on tight end because they weren't right. going. But, sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm really yeah. strong at running back, and and I feel pretty good at quarterback, and I I have a good balanced team this year. I I last year I went really heavy with wide receiver trying to zag, and this year I'm I'm balanced and I I feel good. We'll see. Nice. We'll see. Nice. Man, Dustin, you're gonna hate me. I got fan at twelve oh two. So, but yes, Scott, you you gave my team a shout out on the open bar. It said it was a power move. Uh, oh, I you think the, I might you be the, the only Kelsey team. one then. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that and I'm like, man, I'm jealous of that. I and fans. I, and I fans. wish I wish I could start Kittle and fan in the twelfth. It's crazy. Yeah, so, I'm I'm one of those one on one McCaffrey guys, and I made a, a concentrated effort to not go deep at running back, just because my thought process with having having the McCaffrey pick is if I I don't want to like have a deep bench because I don't want to plan for a McCaffrey injury. If McCaffrey gets injured, I'm out of it anyway. So <laughs> I right. I have to draft with the mindset that I'm getting a full correct season of Christian McCaffrey. I, I'm not going to try to plan a contingency plan. Yeah. yeah. I, went, I went the opposite of you guys. I, I did get Andrews very early. I got the Lamar Andrews stack, but I don't have a second tight end yet. I I've kind of tried to be balanced. I'm a little more heavy running back just because you have the balanced scoring. And I just, yeah. tried to, I've kind of gone light a little, a little bit at wide receiver and just tried to go balance elsewhere. Yeah, sure. That's, I mean, that's it. It's what the scoring does. You're, 
and what being with savvy owners does is you're going to be weak in certain places. It's right. just the it's balance scoring does that. You're going to be weak somewhere. Right. Yeah, I, I love that. I was seeing some people like tweeting at you yes yesterday, like just jokingly, obviously, but like this year, it just seems like everyone elevated their game. Like the draft this year, like there's been snipe after snipe after snipe. Oh yeah. People's strategies. I'm like, man, these guys are on it this year. Like last year, like there were some people in my in my division last year. Like I was just like, oh, I, I they didn't perform well and like they didn't draft well and like they just didn't seem into it this year. Like it just seems like everybody's on it. And like I, re- yeah. I heard you the other day, you like only had to re- replace three owners, which is like that. That's fantastic. Like is that, yeah. is that less than you? That seems less than usual to me. Is that the last two years have been about three owners. There's there's okay. one more that I considered today, but I just let it slide, and we'll see how it goes. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, if that, if that guy has that an issue, Manila? what was that? Was that Shane Manoa? No, no, but I I think it's just gotten to the point where this has become <laughs> such a big event that people really want to put their all into it. So. Uh, 1,397 people <laughs> paying close attention is is a pretty big feat already. I, I yeah. shouldn't expect to have 100%. It, it still amazes me that with all the people that want to get in here, that there are some people every year that yeah. that, that just don't pay attention or, or aren't, aren't pre-drafting at least first round. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, that is crazy to me too. I, I mean, I, I don't expect 100%. Like my – when I think about it, it's like that's ridiculous to expect. But on the other side, you're right. Ten thousand four hundred people signed up for this, and that's because I shut off signups like a week early. I, the last <laughs> week before the before it starts is when we get like a thousand more signups, and I'm like, they don't even have a shot at getting in. I'm not going to waste their time having them right. sign up this year. And what? There's already two or three thousand for next year already. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I I don't know. I did. I haven't checked, but I, I know it's over two thousand. It's it's a it's a little crazy. Yeah, it's uh, thirty eight eighty four. My, my right favorite now. part. Jeez, wow. That's <laughs> wow. My favorite part so far, like being being my first year into this, is how many like offshoot charity. Like this is my first time doing any charity league. Yeah. Right. So um, I was super stoked, and now all of a sudden I'm in. The open bar charity, the Canada Cup, the CNBBCL, the like it's just so cool. Like you got the eliminators going on, you got the the satellites going on. So mm-hmm. just the overall vibe of the community, even when there's been those little moments of drama, like how quickly you see the community decide, just kidding, we didn't really mean that. Like yeah. everybody makes a say, like, let's figure it out together. Yeah. Exactly. That's been inspiring, man. So it's like incredible. You know, just to see the all the offshoots of this. It, it's powerful. Just sure. yeah, just like three or four years ago, like that didn't exist at all either. Like that that was there were those extra side tournaments and and leagues and that it just didn't exist out there. And it's it's been awesome to watch this grow into a very real thing in the industry. Yeah, and even us, we we started a listener league for this this yeah. pod, the Dynasty Junkies pod. Nice. And we used the we're using the Scott Fishbowl base scoring. We didn't do the completions <laughs> in the in the uh uh, so, okay, yeah, sure. But so, base scoring, and yeah. we're donating a, a quarter of the winnings to charity. So yeah, awesome. it's definitely yeah. So we're definitely inspired by it as well. Very Dustin, cool. Do you yeah. have something you wanted to? <laughs> no, just I was going to piggyback. I was going to talk about the same thing. Like, okay, you know, I was inspired a couple years ago when we, uh, Rocky and I, we met actually in Trade Addicts Three with Russ and uh, uh, nice. Brian over there, and like, they're the whole 
their whole premise was donating to charity and that really mm -hmm. inspired us. So like when we were starting our own podcast in our league, I was like, no, we have to have a charity aspect just because, you know, this community is like giving us so much that like at least we can do mm -hmm. is just give some back, you know, like not everybody can give a whole bunch. So that's why right. if we just take it out of, you know, out of the league, like then it's, it's worth it, you know, like, yep. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's very it, cool. And just one other thing I wanted to, to ask you about, because we uh, uh, do actually on this show every week, we do a sort of a commissioner section, kind of inspired a bit by uh, Commission Impossible. Me and Dustin commissioned both <laughs> a lot of leagues. Nice. And uh, the topic this week was just kind of how this sort of um, spur activity in your leagues. Is there anything you do in your leagues that, that you know, to kind of keep activity going? Or I, I mentioned earlier, it's kind of hard to legislate activity. Yeah. It's really hard to legislate and, and nine times, 99 times out of a hundred, it comes down to just the owners. Like you can have the least active owners in the world and the best rules to make activity and it won't work. It's, it's very owner dependent, but I mean, there are a few things you can, you can do to keep leagues engaged, especially in, in dynasty leagues. You can have, uh, have your leagues have some kind of draft once a month during the off season, whether instead of having waivers have, have a draft or an auction every month, uh, a lot of dynasty like contract leagues, you can do like, uh, you know, RFA auction one month and then free agent auction one month and like rookie auction one or, or drafts, whatever. Um, or in your regular Debbie dynasty league, you can do the Debbie draft in February. You can have a free agent draft in March and then a rookie draft in April and then have another free agent draft in August, something like that to have something at different points in the off season to help. And, and in season, I mean, I, I have done this with a few leagues and it definitely creates activity, but it, it, once again, it creates activity among the owners who really care. And it's, it's lowering the roster size and making, making a taxi squad with, uh, and IRs without, you know, like IR being out plus, uh, plus IR so that people are moving players up and down off of their taxi squads and up and down off of their IRs every week it, it keeps them more engaged and more active mm -hmm. but once again like it's very owner dependent like little tweaks like that work but you got to have the right owners yeah that's that's kind of what we were talking about like you can have bylaws and like mm -hmm. you can try to try to just send trade to everybody but like you're not going to get everybody to always participate but it's all yeah. going to come down to the owners and a big part of it like the owners is just also just communication like constantly communicating like as a commissioner like just checking in yeah. like especially if you have new dynasty owners like they're they're new to this you know and and twitter there's so many new people joining uh dynasty twitter and dynasty leagues all the time you probably yeah. see on safe leagues like new owners to dynasty all the time yeah. like so as commissioners checking in on them just to see how they're grasping dynasty like how they're doing their first year like bad, show, yeah. like like just bringing them in a, as a community i think helps that because i've seen i've seen some owners that are just gun shy they were just like oh it's my first dynasty league i don't want to do it. i don't want to screw up so they don't make moves so you know as a commissioner reaching out and like assisting them through that i think helps as well yeah i can see that that's mm -hmm. that's that's a really cool move for a commissioner i wish i was able to do that more i feel like i did in the early days when i didn't commission 1500 leagues but yeah. i was just gonna say I, I really like that. here for me and dustin who are commissioning you know five six seven leagues then, then hundreds upon hundreds of leagues right yeah 
So, uh, yeah. and that's the audience, right? Like the, I'm a, I'm a unicorn in that field. I mean, there's right. Most people only commission a couple leagues. So <laughs> the, that's the, you're, you're giving the right advice to the audience. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah. Scott, are you able to stay on for a little bit or do you? Need yeah, to- sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I got some minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we were actually in the middle of our, we do a find me a trade segment every week where we have a, a listener submit a league and we find trades for them. Um, this one was a, 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 a 12 team half PPR one QB league. It was kind of a little weird. He's got a 1.0 tight end premium. And uh, he's got IDP and kickers in there, which we told him we were going to kind of ignore because we don't know IDP that well. <laughs> but uh, so he was fine with that. So it's basically only six offensive starters and a kicker. Um, Dustin just gave his trade, um, which was what is your trade, Dustin? No, Amari yeah. Cooper. You want to give it? To, you, you give it to him. Yeah. So uh, you know, it, it is a salary cap league, but the, this owner has like thirty-six million in cap space available, and the and, majority uh, of the owners have fifteen to twenty million. I don't know what's going on there, but everybody has salary cap space, so we kind of ignored that too. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, not sure what's going on. But the owner has both Amari and uh, CD Lamb. So my my trade was giving up Amari Cooper and Daryl Henderson um, for Cortland Sutton and Brian Edwards. It actually has on uh, the DLF Trade Analyzer um, the Amari Cooper and Daryl Henderson side slightly uh, worth more at 644 versus 636. Um, but I just like getting a little bit younger with Sutton. I think that he's going to produce pretty similar to, to Cooper. Splits up his Cowboys, and I love Brian Edwards. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of the short of. Uh, I was going through it when you jumped on, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian Edwards, I, I, I think he's going to get the majority of the targets in that offense um, over rugs personally. Um, so I just, you know, I, I, I think I'm not turned off by getting Judy and all the other weapons in Denver. I think that actually helps Sutton. So um, I view I him as that. the alpha. Yeah. Sure. So what do you, what do you think of Dustin straight Scott? Uh, I'd probably slightly rather have the Sutton Edwards side, but I think I think roster construction matters a little here. It's it's tough to give up Henderson if say he's your high upside flex RB three, but if he's your RB four or five, I'm probably going after the two wide receivers if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. this owner he actually has uh, Cam Akers, Dobbins, Fournette, uh, Mixon, uh, Carryon, Mac, and Henderson. So Henderson's like his seventh, so. right? But also as backup to Acres. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I can. That's 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 a good, really tight trade. I mean, (laughs) that comes on preference call. I think I still lean the Sutton Edwards side because I think I, I personally feel like Sutton is the best dynasty piece in the trade. So I would, you know, that's where I would go. Yeah, and uh, just I did this the second week in a row. I did this. I didn't go over his full team just for the listeners. Uh, Dustin Rondell is running backs. He's got Stafford and Daniel Jones as his quarterbacks. Uh, Amari and CD, as we said, Odell, Devontae Parker, Woods and Rager at receiver, and Andrews and Hawkinson um, at tight end. So he's got a pretty solid team, and Bucker is his kicker, if that matters, and then a bunch of IDP guys who I don't know how good they are. So, um, so, um, <laughs> so I guess I'll get into my trade, um, and maybe Scott can give his opinion on this one as well. Um, the guy, basically he's only got six offensive starters unless you include the kicker as an offensive starter. So what I was trying to do was get him 
um, more of a stud than what than what he has there. And I, I like Dustin's idea too of splitting up Amari and 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 CD Lamb. So uh, I had him trading uh, Amari uh, and Fournette for Tyreek Hill and maybe another smaller piece if he can get it. But it's a, I, I put on the show sheet. It's a, it's I'm acknowledging it's it's an overpay a bit, but you got to overpay first. That I think Ryan put out July ADP today and Tyreek's wide receiver too. So you got to pay up for him. And um, like I said, you split up the Dallas guys and. Um, the other team is also a contender with only one side. He's got Zeke, but he's only got two other running backs who are like Le'Veon Bell and Raheem Mostert, who we talked about earlier in the show. So Fournette would appeal to him. Um, so like I said, I know it's an overpay, but I'm willing to overpay for Tyreek. I, I've done these deals so many times in my dynasty playing career, and I started playing dynasty in 92. <laughs> and <laughs> I'd say – 70 to 80 percent of the time it works out in my favor <laughs> trading the the two studs for the super stud right uh, the, it, it almost always works in my favor because y- you'll you'll be able to use your use other players to trade for another stud or another stud will come up through your ranks in a rookie draft or, or from your bench Fournette, I mean, Evan Silva thinks Fournette's going to get cut before the season I mean <laughs> and and even if he doesn't I mean Chris Thompson's going to take a lot of receptions there that Fournette had last year. And Fournette's injury history, yeah. even through college, is is questionable. A lot of lower leg injuries. And he's, you know, this this is, I think everyone agrees, this is his last year in Jacksonville. Right. Who's going to pay for him next year? I, man, I mean, this, this one year from now, it's dynasty. One year from now, this is, could really just be Amari for Hill. And Fournette is, you know, a, a very low nothing piece in it, which is weird to say now, but right because um, I like Fournette okay for this year, but me too. Yeah, I, I I love making trades like this because it looks like an overpay, but one or two years from now, it's you you won the deal handily. Yeah, and Especially this is like when you're only starting six offensive players, like yeah, you want stuff as matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, like Absolutely. so, getting Tyreek is is a stud and. He's he is attached to the best quarterback in the league. Like you want your studs, and like so, I I love this deal. Like, and I think it's one that he could actually get accepted. Um, yeah, I, Cooper and Fournette are both kind of those assets. Like you have to find the right owner that believes in them. Like they either love Cooper and Fournette or they hate them. Like there's not really a, a lot of in between on both Cooper and Fournette. So ho- hopefully this owner that he's that he sends the offer to is one that believes in both of them. Um, but yeah. What do you think, Ben? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to mention too before Ben goes that, uh, I like you said, Amari is kind of polarizing. I'd be willing to do. This guy also has Odell. If it was Odell and Fournette, I would do that too. If the if the other owner prefers Odell over Amari, I think you can go either or. I think they're both pretty close in value. But uh, Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> uh, the difference of a. So yeah, the difference for me of a playoff team, someone that's just going to make the playoffs versus that contender, it comes down to trading a couple of stars for the superstar that like you hit on already, Scott. Tyreek is a guy obviously, you know, tied to the the most consistent and top quarterback in the league right now. So, um he's a guy that can win you week to week. Um Amari maybe maybe a little bit, but I'm a lot more leery now that CD's there as well and, and the long-term situation for Amari is also a little more up in the air. They Dallas can get out of there uh, pretty cheap, I believe, in a season or two. 
Um, so I'm definitely all in on acquiring uh, the Tyreek. I would I'd be all in on the Tyreek side. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would accept Amari and Fournette personally, um, <laughs> but it's worth a shot. I think it's 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 definitely a smart it's a smart offer to put out there. They do get accepted a lot, right? To build depth. Yeah. And those and, are two big name guys, Amari and Fournette. So, and, and, and if they're the type of owner who cares about this thing, you can point out, I put it into both DLF and uh, DTC and it comes out as a pretty big overpay for Tyreek, even though I don't necessarily yeah. look at it that way. So it depends upon the owner. Some people care about that. Some don't, but you can kind of use that to back up your case. Um, but mm-hmm. what's uh, crazy is Amari's. I think Amari's younger than Hill, which is crazy when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think yeah, I think by like a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so we have one more. Ben had had a trade he came up with for this team as well. Yep, yep. So he has a lot of running backs uh, sitting there. Um, so what I wanted to do is, uh, to me, Marlon Mack and, and Carry On are more. Um, you know, if you end up having to put those guys in your flex spot, you're probably in trouble uh, unless an injury happens. So they're more lottery ticket pieces uh, for this particular roster. So I would be looking to, to uh, send an offer of carry on Johnson and Marlon Mack uh, to the owner of the, of Dallas go So the cosmonauts, they own Dallas go So with that, uh, you know, pretty much double tight end premium, cause we're at a 0.5 PPR and the tight ends are at a 1.0. Uh, I'm going to go try to buy Dallas Godair, uh for a discounted price uh, because that owner also owns DeAndre Swift and is extremely shallow in running backs. So with that said, um, the Mac and carry on piece could give them a little bit of insurance. It adds to their stable of running backs that are already a bunch of dice rolls at this point. Um, just pulling them up quickly. Yeah, yeah that owner definitely. currently has Antonio Gibson, Darius Geis, Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift and Keyshawn Vaughn. So there's no, like DeAndre Swift is the most sure thing there. So if DeAndre got injured, well, you got carry on now. So you're in a lot better shape there. Um, but adding Mac and carry on to that, it, it gives you a lot more dice rolls across the board. So I would feel more comfortable, you know, with my running back stable there. And if you can buy Dallas Godare, who I think eventually takes over, um, that's just a stud tight end in that format. Yeah, I, I, I don't think losing carry on and Mac is going to hurt him at all. Um, so getting, getting a, a Dallas Goddard or getting a, another tight end like that, like an Ian Thomas, like just anything like that. I'm fine with Um good point with the, the double PPR for, for tight ends um, with it being a 0.5 and a 1.0 for tight ends. So I like getting tight ends. Like he's already great there, but you know, Hawkinson's still going into his second year. So who knows how he's going to show up in the second year. So getting just another uh, another tight end there, I, I think is is awesome. Um, yeah, I like it. What do you think, Scott? Does Mac and Carry On get you Goddard in a in a one tight end premium half PPR league? Is the team that would be getting Carry On and Mac the guy the guy that's got Swift? Is he a real contender this year? Because in it, like if I'm if I'm rebuilding, I want Goddard every time in this deal. I I think. One year out from now, DeAndre Swift could be the guy and Jonathan Taylor could be the guy and carry on and Mac are nothing. So the, the guy getting carry on and Mac, I know he's getting DeAndre Swift's backup, but he's got to be a contender. Like he's got to be sitting and thinking I'm a playoff team. 
I want to back up Swift. I want Mac for some, you know, bench points or or what. I he's probably not going to start a whole lot because he only started six players. Yeah, it's a really tough sell on me to to get rid of uh, Dallas Goddard for that. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know that I can I don't know that I can give up Goddard for for those two unless I know that I have a shot at you know a shot at it and I want to back up Swift. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. And the guy I'm looking at the team now, he's got Lamar, but the re- you know Ben ran through his running backs who are already iffy, yep. and uh, Goddard's probably his best tight end. And at receiver, he's got McLaurin, Landry, and Mike Williams, and rookies mostly. So I, I wouldn't call him a contender, no. So I kind of agree with what you're saying, that it might be hard for that guy to give up Goddard. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, in, in – uh, Ben's defense. He had, he had to come up with this trade pretty late today. So. <laughs> um, well, but, here's the thing on paper. It's pretty fair, but yeah. I, I, I yeah. think, I, I, th- <laughs> I think just those two players alone, two players that yeah. one year from now might be very little value. It's, it's just mm-hmm. tough, uh, but on paper, I get it on paper. Yeah, my uh, my backup on that one too uh, was I did come up with a backup one. Uh, was if if that got declined, I might go for because I, I do think that acquiring a third tight end would be huge. But uh, he has David and Joku, whose value okay. has dropped. But then oh, there's yeah. been a little bit of trade chatter. So sure. as a, a team that even a rebuild team that might be someone you can pluck away, they might have lost hope at this point. So if you traded a carry on for Njoku straight up, you give you know the the DeAndre Swift owner. Uh, carry on there to partner with a yeah. you know pretty lottery ticket running back stable and, and potentially pick up another uh, lottery ticket in an area you might be able to use some more help in than running back. Um, that's an option as well. Now that is a trade I really like because carry on is <laughs> carry on is one of like seven backs on that guy's team that are like okay, good. Right. If you like it, it eliminates one option that confuses you week to week, and you get a lottery ticket in a tight end premium league. Uh, of Njoku, yeah. who maybe he's nothing, but maybe he he becomes good for the Browns beside Hooper, or maybe he gets traded and and he becomes a starter somewhere. I like I like that deal much better than, than the I like the carry on <laughs> Mac for Goddard deal. I just don't think it's going to happen. But I like the carry on <laughs> yeah, for Njoku one because I think it legitimately could happen, and it's it's a good deal for both parties. I love those kind of trades. And then Duke is still only 24. Like, so him and like, Mm -hmm. he's still super young. Like, he's going to, even if he doesn't get traded, like, he's still going to be a free agent, I believe, after this year. And like, he can go anywhere. And like, a 25 year old tight end, like, with his pedigree, like, he's still going to catch on somewhere. So, it usually takes tight ends, you know, three to four years to hit. Like, we've been spoiled recently, but it usually takes three to four years for tight ends to hit. So, you know, the fact that he, he came in young, so, yeah, he still has that a uh, huge opportunity out there. Yeah, and he'll probably yeah. be somewhere else next year if not traded this year. So, um, Heck, I mean, look at look at Waller and Hooper. I mean, those those guys took a few years, and uh, yeah, it's just the way it is with tight ends. I agree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, before before we finish up and let Scott go, I figured we'd also mention uh, or ask him about we you know a segment we did before he came on. We were talking about it actually is a tweet Ryan put out a few weeks ago about guys who have risen in ADP since uh, since the end of the season. And uh, we mostly looked at some of the running backs. Just wanted to get your opinion on some of the guys 
Uh, a couple of the ones we talked about were uh, Kenyon Drake and Miles Sanders. What do you what do you think on those two? Yeah, so I'm I'm big on Sanders. If you look at his his snap percentages, I believe he has four of the highest running back snap percentages in Doug Peterson's four games where four four of his games were the highest snap percentages of Doug Peterson's entire head coaching career. People like to talk about how Peterson always does committees and he, he, he never gives full workloads. If you look at the end of last season, he was, he was throwing sand. He's never had a back like Sanders. He threw Sanders on the field for 80 plus percent of the snaps four times. So I'm, I'm big into Sanders, especially with how efficient he is in the passing game. Um, I'm very in on Drake for this year. I think his ADP is risen to a point where I'm probably not buying anymore. Like it's gotten almost too high for my blood, but uh, I, I like him for this year. I like him in redraft in dynasty. I have trouble buying in him long-term. I, I guess I've just, I don't know. I I've liked him. Okay. Throughout. He's had those flashes. He had the flashes last year with the, you know, at the end of the season there, but uh it's just too it's too expensive for me now. But Miles Sanders, I think, is one of those guys that we could be talking about. He if I, he might be nearing the first round already, but he he could be like a top three, four, five back that we're talking about next year. So I'm fine buying Sanders at his price. Yeah, and you you kind of echoed a lot of what we said, especially on Drake. It's definitely kind of gotten to the point where he's he's too high to buy in Dynasty. I think uh, his ADP was uh, 40. forty. Yeah, yeah. so oh, yeah. Um, just a couple of the other guys we talked about, and then we'll probably sign off is, um, Austin Eckler and Raheem Mostert, who, who was in the news this week yeah. during Scott Fishbowl week. <laughs> so what are you thinking on those two? Yeah. Anytime a, a 28 on 28 year old undrafted free agent who had just the best stretch of his career wants more money when he's already paid <laughs> like 3 million a year. And I think they're only like. 10 or 12 running backs in the league paid more than that or something like that. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's not good. I mean, I, if he stays in San Francisco, it's a good spot. You want to be the lead back in a Shanahan run offense. I mean, that's just, it is what it is, but in dynasty, I don't, I have so little interest in Mostert. It's, I would like him if I'm on a contender for one year, but um, Eckler, I like good enough. I, I mean, they, they showed some faith. They, they signed him to some money. Uh, I think uh, Joshua Kelly is is going to take take some of that load off. Justin Jackson was really efficient in small doses, but I think he's only going to get small doses. Um, I like Eckler. Okay, he might. I I really love him for this year, but for dynasty, what's his ADP now? Like, if if he's my RB three, I love it. If he's my RB two, I'm I'm okay with it. But uh, Eckler's at thirty one in June. Yeah, I was going to say, I have a feeling he's a fourth rounder, but it sounds like he's a late third rounder, a 307 yeah. or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's probably a little high for my blood, even though I, I really like him for the next year or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of what Eckler does. I just, I just don't, I just don't know that he's going to get the kind of production that he had last year. Last year was hyper efficient on not a ton of touches. He, if he can keep that efficiency, great. I just, it, it seems tough to do that in the NFL. Agreed. And you're making us feel smart, Scott, because you're saying a lot of the same things we said before you came on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Love it. <laughs> um, but that, that pretty much does it for our show. I want to thank Scott so much for coming on. 
I uh, wasn't sure if it was going to happen. He, he DM'd me actually earlier in the show and I missed it. And I was about to, you know, go nuts over here. <laughs> and then I, I DM'd him back and he popped on. So I definitely appreciate you coming on, Scott. Uh, yeah, everything you for having me fishbowl was great. It's 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 so much fun. It, the, the community aspect, the charity aspect, and then and then the league itself. So uh, just want to say we appreciate you, Scott. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. This is a good time. Yep. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, good to see you, Scott. Yep. yep. And um, so, like I said, we're pretty much done here. I wanted to give Ben a chance also to, to just, um, you know, say, you know, talk about what uh, he's doing and his Twitter handle and his pod and all that stuff. So, Ben, go ahead. Awesome, man. Thank you guys so much. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about it earlier, but me and Dustin uh, have known each other since day one. We grew up across the street from each other. So uh, since babies, we're born in the same city. And uh, yeah, so it's pretty crazy to to kind of reconnect uh, at this level now um but i appreciate you guys big time you guys have just hit the ground running with this show i believe this is episode 11 so yeah um yeah this just it's phenomenal seeing obviously you guys have built up a lot of respect in the community already and and, and uh you know that's why you're getting get, the guests that you're getting somehow <laughs> managed to get both it's, ryan it's, and scott fish on the show <laughs> uh man it's it's phenomenal and uh you know, so I know, you know, bigger and better things are going to continue to come you guys' way because you do it the right way. So first off, I just appreciate the time here. Um, with that said, I, I kind of jumped on. Uh, I got recruited to be on the reboot of the Dynasty Playbook with Drew Dotson. So that show went away back in 2017. Used to be part of the uh, DLF network there. And um, and Drew kind of heard me on a, my first ever guest spot on the Hot Take Pod and and reached out and said, you know, you know, we kind of chatted up. He said, would you be interested in being a co-host for the Dynasty Playbook? I'm like, man, it's a lot of pressure. I heard, uh, you know, I've definitely heard the show back in the day and they always did snack takes. So I was, I'm good with that because I love food. So uh, I was definitely all in. And today we just uh, put out episode two. We have a producer based out of L.A. who's uh, one of my good friends from back home as well. Uh, his name's Dimitri Green. And Man, he's just making us sound better than we actually are. So I'll, I'll take that all day. But it's just been a lot of fun. You know, worst case scenario, we're getting to talk about something we love and then some food on the side as well. So it's been a blast. Uh, we're really, really proud of episode two that just launched. So you can find us at Dynasty Playbook there. Um, you guys already mentioned it earlier. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm at Mr. Underscore EBY. And then my co-host is at Drew Dotson. NFL. So yeah, some good things coming. We'll try to keep up with the amazing pace that you guys are on and, and uh, definitely got to have you guys over on the show for sure. Definitely. And um, just a reminder to everybody, the Twitter handle for me is at dynasty FF addict Dustin's at dynasty junkie FF. The pod is at dynasty junkies and make sure you are also following the DAP network at DAP underscore network. If you like what you've heard tonight, and with Scott Fish on, how could you not? Uh, <laughs> then um, please just take a little time, subscribe, and give us a rating and review. It really helps out the pod and lets us know what you think. So with that, we're going to sign off for this week, and we'll be back next week in your ears. Thanks a lot. Chunky's out. <laughs>